Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Sip With Me. I'm your host, Ioana Kekados. And I'm your host, Aaron Carlson. We'll release an episode for you every Monday morning, which means you can listen to us during your commute, after work workout, or even enjoy a drink with us during your very own Monday night happy hour. And who doesn't like to have a little fun on a Monday night? Don't forget to subscribe, review, and share our show. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at sipwithme underscore for the latest episode updates, news, and all of our favorite cocktail creations. For this week's cocktail, we are so excited to be featuring the Cake Batter Martini. This pretty, funfetti-inspired cocktail packs a decidedly grown-up punch, sweet, creamy, and just a smidge indulgent. It's a party in a glass. For this cakey cocktail, you'll need six ounces of birthday cake vodka, two and a half ounces of chocolate liqueur, four ounces of half and half, four ounces cream de cacao, four ounces of amaretto, and whipped cream, and many, many sprinkles for garnish. So to make this beautiful cocktail, you'll start by dipping the top of your martini glass in water and then running in sprinkles to coat the rim. Place a teaspoon or more of sprinkles into the bottom of each glass and then moving on to the actual cocktail in a shaker with a few ice cubes, combine vodka, chocolate liqueur, cream de cacao, half and half and amaretto, shake, pour and strain mixture into martini glass and then add some whipped cream and sprinkles and enjoy. So grab your cake batter martini, top with extra, extra crunchy sprinkles, serve with a full side of cake, and let's meet the queen of cakes herself. Welcome back to the episode. This week, we are so excited to have a queen of cake herself, Emily Najad of Bon Vivant Cakes. She's known for her cutting edge cake designs and for her joyfully rebellious personality and style. And per her website in 2021, she pivoted from taking custom orders to offering a full calendar of weekly cake and treat workshops. Welcome to the show, Emily. We're so excited. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I feel like I we haven't even started and I already feel like I need something sweet. Like I know, a cake. cake. <laughs> yeah, welcome to my life. It's just sweet <laughs> treats all the time. That's the goal. Um, okay, so first and foremost, for folks that maybe don't already know who you are and what you do, just give everyone a little bit of background about yourself, who is Emily, and uh, what is your cake and treat business? Yeah, so I am a self-taught baker. Um, I have ended up here in a very weird, meandering, roundabout way. Um, Mm -hmm. I started out as a musician, and then I uh, transformed myself into a cake baker. And now in a stunning third act, I have transformed (laughs) myself into a cake educator as well. Um, so who knows what the fourth act, uh, has in store for me. Um, yeah, I started baking cakes in 2016 after I was gifted a KitchenAid stand mixer for Christmas. Oh, Oh, that's uh (laughs) Pivotal, pivotal milestone in my life. And, uh, yeah, I got my stand mixer back up to Chicago, um, to my apartment that I was sharing with. Uh, there were three of us living there at the time. And 
I needed to justify all the real estate that the KitchenAid mixer was picking <laughs> yes. up. On oh the my counter, God. Stop. You know? <laughs> so I just, I figured like I gotta use it or lose it. So I just started baking cakes. And, um, you know, I did not start out making anything fancy. I was, I was super proud of them. Like I know at the time when I started baking, I was like, I am hot shit. Like this is amazing. <laughs> yes. like, everything I'm doing is so good. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, these were, and they were bad even by like novice home standards, <laughs> like pretty bad. But it didn't matter. Um, uh -huh. I was just so excited to be making stuff. Uh, it was so satisfying to me that I just, I got hooked. You know, mm -hmm. I started baking and I just didn't stop. Um, and I taught myself yeah. how to bake using YouTube. Um, oh. And that was really it. You know, God. Instagram was still... I mean, Instagram was obviously, it's like 2016, so Instagram was around, but it was yeah. not the was sort not of like COVID video, Instagram, yeah. right, it wasn't like video tutorial platform in the way that it kind of is now. So it was just me and my little mixer in my hot, unair conditioned kitchen, and, um, <laughs> and here we are today. Oh my God. So I think your cakes are gorgeous. They're so beautiful, very whimsical. I would say over the top in the best way yes. possible. Thank How you. would you describe your style? Yeah, I mean, maximalism, you, you nailed it. Ooh. It's just like yeah. everything, all of the time. Uh, I have, you know, I mean, I have no love for minimalism in my life. Like I know that Coco Chanel famously said that, you know, you should take one thing off before you leave your house. But Coco Chanel was a literal Nazi. So anything she <laughs> says is like, I don't care. Whatever she says, do the opposite of it. So I am, I'm just really into maximalism. I want something that's fun. I want something that's over the top. I want something that is really unique and unforgettable. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, my design style is super sort of spontaneous and organic. When I set out to design a cake or design a treat, I may have a vague idea of what I want it to look like in mind when I start in, you know, like I think about the um, ingredients that I need to assemble and the different like decorative elements that I want to have in front of me. But mostly it's just like me, a bunch of buttercream and vibes. And it's just kind of whatever happens in that hour, hour and a half to four hour time span that I'm working on a cake. And in that world of maximalism, mm -hmm. how did you and kind of how did the pivot from taking custom orders and kind of doing that side of the cake world, how did that kind of pivot to doing more of a like workshop education style type of work? Yeah, so, you know, when I started out, when I started out making cakes here in Chicago, like I said, it was 2016, and I really was in the right place at the right time. Um, there wasn't anyone locally who was 
making the kind of stuff that I, the kind of stuff that I liked, you know, mm -hmm. the kind of stuff that I wanted to see. Buttercream cake designs were super popular on the internet, like especially out of Australia. For some reason, Australia has the <laughs> most insane buttercream cake scene, which is <laughs> really nuts because it's a tropical climate down there. Uh -huh. So, uh, but for whatever reason, they're making these incredible buttercream cakes. Um, and I was just finding all of these really cutting edge cake designers on Instagram. I'm talking like the OG cake queens like Catherine Sabbath. Um, there is another OG buttercream cake baker named, uh, her Instagram is Coco Cakeland. I think she's actually Canadian, not Australian. But I was looking at all of these really fun buttercream cake designs. Um, and I, I wanted to see them in real life, you know, mm -hmm. like I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted to see them in my life and there was no one that was making stuff like that. And so I thought, well, why not me? Well, I, I can be the one, I can be the one that makes this stuff. And mm -hmm. if I love it, surely there's an audience for it here as well. And so I started making these cakes and I started posting them on Instagram. And I mean, I was just doing it sort of casually, yeah. you know, I didn't really have like a master plan for mm -hmm. it. Um, honestly, I was doing it because it was super therapeutic, you know, I mean, I started baking for, I think, a lot of the same reasons that everyone starts baking. It's therapy, mm -hmm. right? Like, there's a reason why so many people list cooking and baking at, like, the top of their hobby list. Yeah. It feels good. Mm -hmm. and, and I was really at a time in my life where I had, like, everything in my life sort of felt like an unfinished project. I, my career was a giant question mark for me. My relationships were crushed. Like everything was unfinished. I felt like I was putting so much of myself into all of these different things in my life that I really wanted and nothing, nothing was getting results that felt satisfying. And then I found baking hmm. and I was like, oh my God, I can spend four hours doing something and there's an incredible result at the end of it. Like I can see it. Like <laughs> I spent four hours in my kitchen and I have a physical, a physical proof that I was here. I loved this thing. I tried really hard and now I have something to show for it. And even better, I have something to share with people. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so that was the thing that really hooked me into baking. And all of these years later, that is, it is that same love, that same like joy of creating and the joy of completion that has made me want to pivot from just creating, you know, custom cakes for people into creating these workshops where other people can come in and experience that same thing. Hmm. I like that.
Mm-hmm. I know we need to take one, Aaron. I'm like, I'm really bad. I know, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> They're fun. They're a really good time. It sounds like it sounds like like um like I would get some cake making tips, but also like I feel like I would get some therapy with you. Yes. Listen, yeah. Yeah, I mean so much. It's it's so funny because um you know there's so much weird anxiety around baking. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, honestly. It sucks. And honestly, my conspiracy <laughs> theory is, is that like, I don't know. I just feel like, like professionals, like professional bakers, I don't really feel like they over-exaggerate how hard baking is. And it freaks everyone out. And so everyone, every single person that I talk to, they say the same thing. I literally just had this conversation earlier today. Oh, I love cooking so much. I love to cook, but baking. Oh, <laughs> it's so precise. Ooh, it's so, uh, it's, so yeah. hard. it's precise, and you have to. Da, da, da. And it's just like, you get, listen, you know, it's not, I mean, it is and it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of it is very like freestyle, very creative. Yes, you need to, like, if it says baking powder, you can't substitute the baking soda, but like, be, like come on. Yeah. Oh my God. Literally. My fiance, when I bake a lot and I fight with him because he will be, he's very, you know, has to be exact measures. He has a kitchen scale, like does that with everything. And I like to, you know, sometimes like, I feel like I want to add a little bit of cinnamon or sometimes I think it needs a little bit of honey or some brown sugar. And then I'd be like, no, you're going to ruin it. And I'm like, no. no, you got it. You have to, just like you have to feel your body when you're working out and you're eating, you have to do the same thing with baking. Aaron, first of all, I don't want to cause a fight here, but you're right. Okay. Woo! You're all right. right. Um, there are certain ingredients, cinnamon, vanilla, uh, chocolate chips. These are ingredients that are not measured with the scale. They are measured with the heart. Okay. Uh, you just ooh, add them. Okay. Add them, Ooh. add as much as you want. It's 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 up to you. It's really up to you. So yeah, there's just like so much anxiety that people feel about baking. Um, I think it is because, I don't know, people want to, like professional bakers want to like protect the, the craft. Yeah, maybe it's like, like the baking Illuminati or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And huh. I am not here to gatekeep and girl boss this away from people. It's just like, well, come on in. You know, yeah. like, it's going to be fine. You yeah. you can do this. And what's more, like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to represent myself like, uh, you know, I have not had baking disasters in my life. Obviously, I have, mm-hmm. you know. But even when I have had disasters, you learn so much from those failures mm-hmm. that it's only going to make you better. I, I am self-taught, which means that failure has been my best and only teacher. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you just got to keep going. You know, you just can't let it, you can't let it stop you. So I'm interested to know, cause I know a little bit about baking, but I really, I only mm-hmm. know how to bake like Greek desserts, uh, right. cakes are a whole nother thing. Uh, share with us more about your signature style, um, the shag cake. How do you go about making it? What does it look like? And what what is different about it than other typical cakes? 
Yeah, the shag cape was really the first design that I had that really sort of like blew up Pinterest. Um, and I probably posted my first shag cake maybe four years ago. And um, I still see it. I mean, it is, it, it's really special when you create something that like um, has some staying power and the other people can like take themselves and like put their own spin on it. Um, and I am tagged in people's photos all the time of, you know, their versions of shag cakes. Um, so the shag cake or the Bon Vivant shag cake, I should say, is really inspired by textile artwork. When I created it, I was looking at a ton of like macrame designs and like really cool handmade um, like textile wall hangings that had a lot of different um, you know embroidered elements and like beaded elements and just all sorts of like mixed media textiles and I thought uh, I want to touch that and also I want to eat that <laughs> you know like how do I make how do I make this, how do I make this edible? Um, because it's just so, those sort of textures are just so like, they're just so like visually chewy. You just like wanna like, <laughs> I don't know. Like when I was a kid, I would always like sort of make believe like, what if I like shrunk down and was like a tiny person and could yes. like walk around, you know? Like, yep. And that's the sort of, that's the sort of headspace that I was in when I started making these like very wacky and wild textured cakes. Like what if I was just like a tiny person and I could like walk around it's inside. like Alice in Wonderland when she like shrinks down and yeah. Totally, totally. Um, and so it was in that headspace that I started to develop these designs and um you know they're super colorful they are a lot of people have this instinct to like hug them for some oh, reason yes like, i really want to like i just want to get my hands it. around it yes totally 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 <laughs> um yeah and they're just they're just really they're really different they're really different um yeah, I I always kind of look at them like like this is like an edible playground, you know, you can just sort of get lost in it. Um my last question for you um that we like to ask anybody that owns and operates and runs their own business um COVID um how did it and is it still impacting you and just kind of you know what what has the last year or two kind of looked like in terms of of operating and you know pivoting to still give people your kind of joy and and lessons of baking covid was a really it was uh covid what COVID had a really unexpected impact on my business. Um, I pivoted pretty quickly. Um, you know, I spent like the first week of 
March really, you know, spiraling along with everyone else. I also feel like I got kind of a head start on the coronavirus acceptance uh, that we all had to go through Mm -hmm. because I was talking a lot to my cousins who were in Iran Mm -hmm. and COVID really, COVID hit Iran before it hit the U.S. Yeah. And so a week and a half before, you know, the U.S. really started to accept the reality of COVID, I was having conversations with my cousin and their cousins who were like, you know, you got to stay inside. You got to stay away from people. You got to, so I was, Mm. I feel like I was a little bit ahead um, emotionally, (laughs) slightly. (laughs) Hey, Um, and back then anything made a difference. Exactly. Um, So I pivoted pretty quick and launched um, quarantine cakes um, and they were a hit because, you know, people couldn't leave their houses. We desperately needed sweet treats. It was mm-hmm. the only thing that we had. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was insanely busy. It was it completely inverted my business model Hmm. from, um, you know, I would take like a typical week for me in the before times would be like, I would make maybe, ideally I'd make five cakes. I'd do five orders in one week, but those orders would be big. You know, I would be doing wedding cakes, Mm -hmm. big parties and stuff. Um, And that would be like, good financially sustainable for mm-hmm. me then with the when covid hit i went to doing 10 orders a day wow, wow. six days a week yeah. and i was delivering them too oh my God. <laughs> which is honestly looking back i'm like how weird was it for my customers that like they like ordered a cake from me and then I show up and and I'm like, hello. (laughs) They're like, don't you have someone for this? The answer is no, I do not. It's just, it's just me. And um, so it was, honestly, I look back at those months and I have no, I uh, I was just like blacked out from just stress. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was working, I was working 18 hours a day easily. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that obviously working like that was not sustainable for me. And I did start to get really burnt out. And um, luckily the workshop component of Bon Vivant Cakes, it, it, it existed pre-pandemic. I wasn't doing workshops as frequently because I was taking on so many custom orders and I just could not do both. But uh, so when I started to really feel a little, a little crispy, a little burnt out, I had workshops already built in to my business. And honestly, you know, I just missed hanging out with people. I missed getting together with people. And I mean, we all did. And, you 
you know, we do these freaking happy hours, all the screen stuff. I did a million virtual workshops. They honestly way more fun than I thought they would be. Like it was actually way more social and satisfying than, mm -hmm. than I expected it to be. But um, we're done with the screens. We're all tired of it. Yeah. You know, we want to get together in person. And um, and I love to host a party. Okay, <laughs> there's you. I love a party. It's so fun. you know. Yes. <laughs> I love. I love. Like I cannot believe that somehow I have created a business for myself where three times a week I get to host a party where I get to make all of the snacks. I get to choose like what cute little bevy we're going to have. I choose the playlist <laughs> and um, I am like choosing the activity for all. It's, like, it's my birthday three times a week and it's really ideal for me. I love it. So, you know, I just realized that there was there was a need to bring people together to put our phones down, to put our screens down for a couple of hours and to make something with our hands. Like I, you know, I don't know much about like what oh, I don't know much about how to live like a like a good and meaningful life, but I do know that one thing you must do is make stuff with your hands. Like that is it is important. It is important for humans to make things with our hands, and it just really connects you to something. I don't know something important, and um, I just really like being able to create a space for adults to do that. And it is specifically for adults. There are tons of places where kids get to go mm -hmm. and do creative things. You know, there's really no shortage of yeah. that. But for adults, <laughs> there's just not, there are not enough of those spaces. I mean, what, you gonna go wine and paint, please? Like, <laughs> what? Give me a break. You're gonna make something that's like, at best, it's like it's just okay. Yeah. No. no. Like then, that's going to end up at Goodwill. Yeah. You don't know it. A hundred percent. You're going <laughs> to put it in the back of your closet because you feel guilty throwing it away. And then the next time you move, you're going to be like, what the hell am I doing with this? And then you're going to give it away. But with Kate, you get to come, you get to make something beautiful with your hands. You get to feel so proud of yourself. And then you get to go home and eat it. Like, <laughs> ideal situation. It is. That's a, yeah. 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 And hmm. the thing that really blows my mind about these workshops is that, like, the stuff that people make, like, it's good. Like, it's actually good. Hmm. And I'm not going to bullshit you. Like, if if I thought it was bad... I mean, I wouldn't be like, this is garbage, but you know, I like, I am impressed. I am actually genuinely impressed with the work that people do. And like, these are beginners. Like these are people who walk in 
they may feel a little bit nervous, like they are like not super confident in their abilities, but in three hours time, they make something that, you know, I am impressed with, but most importantly, like they are very proud of themselves mm -hmm. and it gives me so much joy to be able to give that experience to people. I want to go now. I want to do I a know, workshop. I'm, like, I'm really sold. <laughs> They're fun. So do you have any plans or anything exciting coming up for the new year? I am. I have a full calendar of workshops that are coming up. Um, and, you know, I'm developing out my core classes, you know, which are the shag cake, like vintage piping classes, because vintage piping is huge right now. Mm -hmm. Everyone's doing it. Um, you know, like floral cake classes. And I'm really excited to really expand on my happy hour series, which is Thursday nights. It's just an hour and a half. We've got like a cute little boo sponsor situation. We've got so sip with me. Yes. <laughs> yes. And like we're doing something that is uh, we're doing like a hands-on thing, but it is like, I mean, cake classes are like very skill focused. It's like, all yeah. right, three hours. It's a Sunday afternoon, like have a coffee, let's do this. Happy hour is like, it's more <laughs> chill. Like it is the kind of, you're, you're going to be, the things that are going to be asked of you at happy hour are like Thursday night appropriate. You know, okay. it's just gonna be like, piping. <laughs> we're gonna do piping, we're gonna do dipping. We're not gonna do like a full on master class because come on, it's just not, it's not the time or the place for that. Mm. Mm. That sounds like a so, happy, happy hour. Yeah. It is a very happy, happy hour. I have a lot of ideas for fun, happy hour classes. I've been getting a lot of requests for like friendship, like meet cute sort of situations. Mm. Like I've gotten a lot of DMs from people who are like, Either I'm new to the city and it's really hard to make friends or the pandemic happened and my friend group exploded and now I need new friends. And like, so there's just, there's a lot of, I mean, people want to get together, you know, people yeah. want, people want to form communities. Um, and so I'm very interested in um, creating like a, a fun gal pal space. Sweet. I like it. Exciting. Cool. Um, okay, very last thing. We end every episode with a round of rapid fire. So we have a couple questions we'll fire off. We just want your first instinctual answer. Okay. Great. Lay it on me. Yes. All right. Iwana, take it away. Okay. Favorite recipe? Oh, my God. Uh... <laughs> All right. Oh my God, my favorite recipe. Uh, okay, I mean, I guess the first thing that came to my mind was my chocolate cake recipe. And actually, let me tell you why. Um, am I allowed to expand? Yeah. Are we rapid? I'm, I'm slowing down the rapid fire, but here we go. Okay, so this chocolate cake recipe I originally got from Deb from Smitten Kitchen, who is an mm -hmm. icon in the food blogging world. I love her 
so much. Um, and it is a recipe that is super popular on her site. It's one of, it's her most popular chocolate cake recipe. I love the recipe, but it calls for buttermilk. And personally, I don't want to buy buttermilk. Like, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. What, am I, what am I doing with the rest of it? You know? Every time. It's just going to become a science experiment in my fridge. And then what my other option is to make buttermilk myself with just like regular milk. And then you sour it with the vinegar, the lemon. It's not the same. Okay. It's not. Oh my God. So, it, no, it's just not the same. So I took her recipe and instead of buttermilk, um, I, I made some tweaks and I used sour cream instead. <gasps> Ooh, I've done because, that before. I have done that before. Like, everyone wants an excuse to have sour cream in their mm -hmm. fridge. Like, no one's mad about that, yeah. you know? And if you don't have sour cream, you could use like a full fat Greek yogurt. Yeah, I've done that too. Like that instead. But buttermilk, get out of here, you know? <laughs> I've used Greek yogurt before and I'm like, oh, it's healthy. Cause like, I'm, look, I'm adding all this protein to it. Exactly. Like, it's <laughs> God, it's chocolate protein cake? Any <laughs> legends. Oh my Love God. Um, what's your favorite cake flavor? Carrot cake. Oh, Ooh. Carrot yes. cake. Hands mm. down. Because oh. carrot cake is really the only cake that I will eat in its baked form and also carrot cake batter. Mm. I know yeah. that I've never had that. I know that the food police say that it's illegal to eat cake batter, but <laughs> carrot cake batter is so good. It is. It is. It's unique. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Favorite restaurant in Chicago? I would say uh, Kebabi Grill in mm. Albany Park. Um, I know that a lot of people for Persian food in Chicago go to Nuna Kebab, and I love Nuna Kebab as well. Amazing ambiance. They've got 67 crystal chandeliers <laughs> and rugs just covering every corner of the restaurant. <laughs> and we love that. We love those vibes. We absolutely love those vibes. But Cat Bobby has, I mean, their food is just so good. I'm not, not as great. But <laughs> the food, their rice, incredible. I know. Um, I'm on Google Images. There's like 90 pictures of the food for each picture of the interior. Correct. Yes. Correct. And it looks correct. really good. It's so good. It's so, so good. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, my last question. Um, so this is something that I have heard many things. So when I was a kid, and I guess like young person, I was taught, you know, that like box cake is, you know, it's the easy route. It's like, oh, it's so like, it's box cake. Like, ugh, like you're making, oh, you made a box cake? Like, who are you? Like some peasant? Like, come on. But then last year I watched a YouTube video explaining a viewpoint that box cake is actually the like perfect cake and that actually scientifically you can't beat it. So what's your opinion on that? I am so glad that you have asked me this. <laughs> I mean, I will take every opportunity I can 
to dispel the absolute smear campaign <laughs> around box cake. Box cake is uh, okay. So here's the thing. Okay, okay, okay. I love this. Passion. <laughs> here's the thing about box cake. First of all, box cake has been around since the late 50s. Okay. That means food scientists have spent the last 70 years perfecting a box cake mix. And I, for one, am not here to disparage the good hard work of these food scientists. They have engineered a cake that is fail-proof, basically. That's they true. have engineered a cake that stays moist um, for days longer yep. mm -hmm. than your scratch cake ever could. Yeah. They have also created a product that is accessible to people yeah. of all skill levels and socioeconomic levels. Mm -hmm. So they have empowered people to be able to make special moments even more special and memorable by creating a product that is easy for everyone to use. Also, I will say that in all of my years baking cakes for people, they're everyone's favorite cake recipe, everyone's favorite cake flavor, the most popular cake that I had on my menu was a Funfetti cake with cookies <laughs> and cream buttercream, okay? Everyone loves it, crowd pleaser. Funfetti is a creation of Pillsbury. They are the people who made Funfetti. It did not, it, no one's grandma was making Funfetti cake. All right. So if everyone's favorite cake is Funfetti cake, and everyone imagines when they like close their eyes and they imagine like, oh, if I could be eating any cake right now, what would it be? Listeners right now. They're like, it's Funfetti. Obviously it's Funfetti. <laughs> You're imagining a box cake. A box texture. cake. Yeah. You're imagining box cake texture. That's, that is your platonic ideal huh. of what cake should taste like. You love box cake. Everyone does. Now I know there are going to be people who are like, yeah, but the mouthfeel of a, you know, <laughs> certain, but, and that's fine. I love that for you. Okay. But box cake is great. I will never, never say, and furthermore, I will like, I would like to add that uh, uh, strawberry cake. People also love strawberry cake. I got so many requests for strawberry cake. I'm not talking about vanilla cake with strawberry filling. I'm talking about that pink, yeah, like mm -hmm. neon pink strawberry <laughs> cake. And I had to tell people, you know, I had to tell people like, I can't make you a strawberry <laughs> cake because the best strawberry cake is a box cake. The scratch recipes, and yes, I have tried them, all of them. They're mm -hmm. just not as good. I'm sorry, don't at me. Like, they're just not as good. Mm -hmm. And I cannot be out here selling you box cake. Like, I can't do it as like a luxury <laughs> cake maker, you know? And so people would be like, can you make me a strawberry cake? And I'd be like, bestie, no, I cannot. But you can. You can make <laughs> yourself a strawberry cake. Um, uh, I love box cake. And 
I, I think that it's great. And especially, you know, especially if you are intimidated by baking. Um, I mean, when I started out baking, I was baking, I was just using box cakes. Like I, I was not out here like investigating, you know, the perfect vanilla cake recipe yeah. as I was, I was using box cake mm -hmm. and I was focusing on decorating it. And it really helped build my confidence to be able to approach scratch recipes and to develop them. Mm -hmm. um, so I long live the box cake, yes. may it rain. May it rain forever. I love box it. Cake forever. Love, box cake forever. We love box cake, baby. Love box cake. Woo! Yeah, we love a box cake. So my last question, um, you talked about happy hour. We're a cocktail-based podcast. So we would love for you to share your favorite cocktail. Okay. So I've thought about this um, because I make cocktails every single week for all of my classes. And you know, I'm only human. So I too have become swept up in the espresso martini. Mm. Oh my God. Renaissance, okay. <laughs> Who doesn't love an espresso martini? Oh my God. But obviously I am making like big batches of cocktails for people. Um, so I'm not, oh, I'm not shaking a freaking martini for each, for, I'm not doing that. Okay. Um, and also I thought, well, what if, what if instead of, of an espresso martini, what if we like use that as a jumping off point? And for the past week or two weeks for classes, I've made an espresso cocktail that uses, but instead of vodka, I'm using um, reposado, I'm using Espolón reposado. Hmm. And I'm using Frangelico. Ooh. So it's like coffee. We got a little hazelnut. Mm -hmm. We got that little bit of, we got the reposado in there, a little simple syrup. I've used it with a little bit of cinnamon and star anise mm -hmm. and a glittery, glittery uh, wow. ice cube in there. Yes. It's a good drink. You're a true mixologist. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I do what I can. I do what I can. And honestly, I love, I mean, I went to school for theater, which means I learned absolutely nothing except how to mix my uppers and downers. My fiance so, went to school for theater. Yeah. Yeah. You just learn, you just, it's just like, you mix your uppers and downers and then that is, that's your entire education. <laughs> so I, I love a cocktail that is, I love a caffeinated cocktail. You know, it's a, it's a good vibe, especially when you need to sit down and like, you know, learn how to decorate a cake. You mm -hmm. need, you need both. I like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a vibe. Yeah. Cool. You survived rapid yes. fire. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. That was good. That's good. See, you educated us so much. I feel good. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on and best wishes for a happy, healthy 2022. And we will, Definitely check back in with you later in the year, and we will definitely be participating in one of your workshops sometime. And we look forward I to learning from you. I can't wait. I uh, it's been such a pleasure talking to you too, and I would love to host you sometime very soon. This is your weekly sip with Eric Carlson and Iowana Kikados. 
pouring a glass of the week's hottest news, here are your top headlines. Spring is right around the corner, and soon Chicago will have the opportunity to indulge in St. Patrick's Day offerings all around the city. Charmed returns to Wrigleyville this spring by the same folks who brought up pop-ups like Santa Baby, Rudolph's, and Nightmare on Clark Street. This St. Patrick's pop-up is an enchanting, over-the-top, multi-room, multi-level, magical Irish experience featuring wall-to-wall Irish decor, lucky charms, a bevy of bar options within the space, and plenty of social media photo ops. They've stepped up their Irish-themed game with food and cocktails. The entire menu is themed after St. Patrick's Day, including shareable cocktails and alcohol-infused milkshakes. And according to Delish.com, although not technically a spring holiday, St. Patrick's Day tends to be looped in. And Duncan is getting in on the fun with the new Shamrock Macchiato, which features a bright green ombre hue for a picturesque sip that tastes like an Irish-worthy cocktail and reminds me of the Shamrock Shake or the Oreo Shamrock McFlurry, which is also an option at McDonald's. It looks like a green version of the pink velvet macchiato that Duncan famously released in 2020. And the Shamrock Macchiato is just layers of espresso, Irish cream, and notes of sweet cream with some vanilla to mimic the flavor profile of a good Irish whiskey. And the Florida Strawberry Festival is now underway in Plant City. And it just wouldn't be a festival without the best round funnel cake stand. (laughs) Mama Jane Harris, um, known for cooking up something special and unique for all her festivals in the area, Mama Jane created the famous strawberry key lime funnel cake for this year's celebration. She said the Mm. idea was easy to come up with because it's all Florida. And that's what the (laughs) Strawberry Festival is all about. I love that. And it's only 9 a.m., but that actually sounds really, really good right right now. I could use that. And with a third of the world's wheat supply tied up in the Ukraine crisis, wheat futures have shot to record highs, breaking previous high future contracts set back in 2008. With drought also plaguing much of the central U.S. as we head into the warm season, the higher prices that are only likely to climb higher could incentivize some U.S. farmers to plant more wheat crop this year than other crops. And those are your headlines for the week. Be sure to tune in next week for the news that you need to know now. Thanks for listening to Sip With Me with Ioana and Aaron. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, sipwithme.org. There you can find our themed cocktail book as well as other exciting Sip With Me content. And if you love our podcast, don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on social at sipwithme underscore. Join us next week for a tasting with InVivo Wine co-founder Tim Whitehorn as we talk about his line with Sarah Jessica Parker.